Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. Well, I'm here with Rick Buescher. Uh, Rick and his wife Diane are the uh, are the authors of Wholehearted, which is one of my all-time favorite books. I've told the church on many occasions that I wish I would have had this book 20 years ago. Um, I read it a few years ago, and it was so helpful in the practical realities of, of learning how to have a relationship with God. If I could have everybody in my church read one book besides the Bible, this would be it. And so, Rick, I'm so pleased you've uh, joined us today to speak with us. Thank you so much for, uh, for uh, joining us today. It's a real privilege, John. Very thankful to be able to talk to you guys over there in the UK. Yeah. Now, tell us the story of this book. How did this book come about? I'd probably have to go back a few years uh, to, to tell the story of, uh, because it's all about having uh, a kind of close friendship with God. And uh, it's pretty obvious we can't have a close friendship if we're doing all the talking. Right. We need to be hearing from Him. We need to, the only way we can be really sure of who God is, is by having personal, direct connection with him. And uh, so for me, I grew up in a Christian home back in Tasmania in Australia, and uh, that was kind of unusual in that uh, culture. Um, I had wonderful parents, and uh, so I grew up in the, in the church, and there was a lot of religion. There was a little bit of reality. But uh, when I was 19, I got really hungry. I was um, when I first turned 19, I was just hungry for more of the Lord. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. And so I came to that place of just fully surrendering. Like It's like your heart's like a house, and you've got all these doors, and not just letting him in the hallway. Well, I invited him into my life. Now, I, it was that time where I thought, i got to throw all the doors open, like get into the closet, see what I'm reading, into the bedroom, the whole deal. Just I, I just surrendered to the Lord and said, I just uh, turned me into a turkey. I don't care. Just... Uh, <laughs> I got ahead, you know, and so um, it was. It, he then poured his love out on me in such a dynamic way. It still excites me when I think about it now, and it's changed me ever since. But what happened was a, immediately I started talking with him, and I just started uh, having a conversation with with Jesus, and I thought, this is amazing. I'm like an alien. I got this hotline of heaven. The creation, the creator of the universe is. He, he he wants to chat with me and talk with me about stuff during the day and. This was so exciting to me and and uh, was kind of rare. But it was this is back in 1968, the beginning of the charismatic uh, movement there in that part of the country. And there were some people doing some crazy stuff. You know, God told me to do this, leave their wives or something. I think, good right. grief, you know. So there were things that were going on that were dishonoring to the Lord. And I thought, you know, this has been really sweet, but I, I need to be careful that I'm not just playing mind games with myself and going right. off the deep, you know, I... I, want, I don't want any phony baloney. I want this to be the real thing. And so then anytime he would talk with me, I'd say, Lord, is, it, is that really you? Is that really? I just want to be clear. I don't want to uh, make a mistake here. And uh, so basically I shut the whole thing down after a few months. Right. It wasn't that I didn't ever hear him after that, but it wasn't a lifestyle anymore. Anyway, so I'm reading Deuteronomy 8. Well, hold on just a second. When you talk about hearing God, you're talking not necessarily about hearing an audible voice. You're talking about just sensing him speaking to you in your heart and 
almost they appear like thoughts, but but it's 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 the Lord speaking, not you just thinking stuff up. Right. Yeah, and the Holy Spirit within bears witness to what's the real deal. You right. know, um, what I've found sometimes for me, it's usually I get words, as you say, just uh, thoughts come, but they're very clearly. Uh, thoughts that always bring peace. They always draw me to Jesus right. or to the Father. They're, they always align with Scripture. It's not some weird off-the-wall kind of thing. It's never condemning or shaming. These were things that were really uh, made very clear to me. This is what he's like, and it's going to line up with his character. You look at Galatians 5, talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. That's the heart of God. He's loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, gentle, this is this is who he is. So, um, so, but but I was still concerned that I might be kind of. Um, I just didn't want to dishonor the Lord and be my. Anyway, so what happened is years and years later, I'm reading Deuteronomy 8, where Jesus uh, actually refers to it in Matthew 4, 4, and he says, uh, God is saying to the children of Israel, I had you in the wilderness 40 years after they left Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness to teach you to live listening. You're not to live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And when I read that, I was 59. Wow. And I oh, good grief. That 40 years just left off the page. I thought, ah, here I am. This 40 years have I been doing circles in the sand, uh, missing out on what God has for me mm. because, because I was afraid of blowing it. And he said, your caution was fear masquerading as wisdom. And uh, it's like, that was me. So I decided then and there, I would rather enter, enter, jump back into that childlike conversational relationship with him that was so sweet and so rich. I'd rather do that, maybe blow it a few times, but uh, I'd rather do that than be so careful that I just shut him down. Right. So yeah. And I that think was, so many people, that that is just a common story. So many of us are afraid that, uh, you know, we've all had that question, is that really you, God? And we've all heard this, the stories, or we might know people, or have even experienced ourselves that we thought we were hearing God, and it turned out to not be hearing God, or somebody else thought they were hearing God and did something horrible, and so we just tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And, and as a result, we miss that, that, that deep connection with God, which is very clearly established in, in the Bible, that God speaks to us, uh, not just through the Bible, but he speaks to us and, and provides guidance in, in our everyday lives. Right. Yeah. And I would say even more than just because we tend to go to and we tend to use God as like a 911 God. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's in the States, you know, emergencies or I've got needs. Of, uh, you know, when I'm in a crisis or something, we kind of throw out the flares and God help me. But uh, he also wants to speak encouragement and affirmation, identity into us, those things that deep down he knows that we need. Right. And uh, that's where I found it exciting. So you, you asked me about, you know, how did we uh, end up writing the book? Well, we moved to Antioch in Waco about 13 years ago. And the Lord told me, he said, you're going to have a bunch of people that are going to ask you if they can get together with you just to pray and kind of work through some things. And uh, I want you to say yes every time. And I thought, good grief, really? I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, uh, I mean. Because you're you know, not a counselor. You'd never done this before. That wasn't a, a, an everyday thing. 
No, I mean, I've always cared very much for the sure. church. I want to see the church healthy, but it wasn't like a, a regular role I had, you know. Right. I mean, we're all around the world doing different things, but um, no, nothing like this. And so, um, anyway, he said, well, when these people come to you, because um, I said, you know, I, I haven't had a horrific, I haven't been abused, I haven't been through, uh, you know, a lot of... Uh, addictions and struggled with different things and how can I help them and he said can you bring them to me just introduce them to me and I said well yeah I think I can do that and he said do that and watch what I do hmm. and so people would come to me and they'd pour out these horrific stories and think and I say well I'm not sure I can help you but I know who can you know Isaiah says he's the wonderful counselor let's 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 see what he's got to say so I would get them to ask questions of the father or Jesus and uh, then say, Jesus, here's my mess. What do you want to say to help me? And I would just see him meet them again and again. I thought, Lord, you're a genius. You're really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you tell them things. I would never think of how to help someone like that. And you just touch the very thing. It's like you know their hearts. You read their mail so well mm. that you give them something that is exactly what they need. And I would see people's lives just get rocked and transformed. And I thought... This is amazing. So we did this. We prayed with hundreds and hundreds of people over over the years. And uh, through that, then the Lord said, I want you to write this book and uh, just put some of this down. I said, Lord, it seems so simple. And some of the things I'd like to share today about the hindrances to blockages we have, they're usually kind of simple. They may be painful and difficult, but usually the way he wants to address them is really not that. It's not rocket science. And the Lord told me, he said, Rick, don't, don't let this get too complicated. He said, don't ever apologize for simplicity because that's where the power is. Mm. And that's, that's really, in the book, it really it touches on a lot of things, but really the guts of it is really very simple. Right. I love that. Don't apologize for simplicity because that's where the power is. That's yeah. so true. That's, uh, yeah, the, the, and, it's and, really and simple. The, <laughs> and the Lord is... The thing that's, I think, so helpful in this journey of interacting with the Lord is we have to be convinced that he is way more motivated to connect with us than we are with him. Mm. That this is why Jesus died. The very thing, the first thing that happened when he surrendered his spirit to the Father was the veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom, and it was giving access into the Holy of Holies. And God said in Exodus 25, he said, that's where I'm going to meet with you. That's where I'm going to speak to you. So the whole reason Jesus came was to introduce to Jesus to the Father. Because we have all sorts of screwed up views of what the Father is like. And Jesus says, you want to know what the Father is like? He's like me. I'm showing you the heart of the Father. And my whole job here is to introduce you to the Father because I want you to connect with him because he's that amazing. Mm. Wow. So what do you, I, I love what you're saying there about, I mean, friendship with God and what God is inviting us into. In all these years of praying for people, what do you feel like you've, some of the common things you've seen, what, what is it that keeps us for, from enjoying friendship with God? Right. Yeah. The, uh, I think the first thing we need to recognize is whether we recognize it or not, we're in a war. I mean, it's, uh, and the war is over our hearts. I kind of look at it this way. We're actually all suffering heart attacks, <laughs> right? <laughs> Constantly. The enemy's out to uh, attack our hearts. Um, the, uh, we, we, the, the Bible calls him Satan. 
actually, every time in the Old Testament, bar one, the word actually means accuser. That's what he is, he's the accuser. And um, Jesus says that he's the originator of all lies, all his activity uh, that brings fear and pain and brokenness, confusion and death has one purpose, and that is just simply to hinder or to prevent, to kill intimacy between us and God. That's his one purpose is to stop us really connecting at a heart level with God. You said it's like we're all having heart attacks. Uh, that's a good word. Like our heart is under attack by the enemy. How, how does he attack? How, what, what does this break down as? What does this look yeah. like in our lives? What this is, uh, where it's been so helpful for us, because we have prayed with you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, is that we saw these consistent patterns. Even though people varied backgrounds and difficulties and trials and so on, it seemed to come back again and again to the same simple things. Um, that uh, what we found is um, no matter what destructive behaviors we uh, are wrestling with, no matter what addictions uh, that we're wrestling with, whether it's uh, dealing with fear or depression or lust, anger, passivity, hopelessness, loneliness, underneath it all, at the root, are lies that we believe. Mm. We always there are lies that we're believing. That actually is the root of, uh, of all these, uh, this breakdown. And the li these lies are stunningly simple. This is what we found, is they're lies about God or they're lies about ourselves. Mm. It's basically lies about the character of the Father or lies about our true identity in Christ. It's basically, God can't be trusted. He's aloof, he's distant, he doesn't really care. Otherwise, you'd change things for you, right? So he can't be trusted, and there's something wrong with me. I'm not really recognized, I'm not valued, I'm just not worth it. Mm -hmm. And so they're the two key lies. And I, I saw this again and again, I thought, well, where is this in the Bible? I mean, is it really that simple? And then I saw it in the life of Jesus. So when Jesus is being baptized, the Father speaks and he says, you're my beloved son, right? So he's speaking identity into Jesus. You're my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He's letting him know, I delight in you. This is the heart of the Father. And then what happens? He's led into the wilderness and immediately the very first thing that Satan says to him is, if you're the son of God, turn these rocks into bread. If you're the son of God, jump off the temple. It's like questioning the identity the father just spoke. Right. And, and then again on the cross, even more vivid, you got the religious leaders, the scribes, the high priests, and so on, hurling abuse at Jesus and saying, if you're the son of God, come down from the cross. Questioning his identity. And then you say you're the son of God, well, if the Father really delights in you, let him deliver you now, questioning the heart of the Father. There you have it. And so the enemy does exactly the same with us. They are the two key ways he attacks. And so uh, it's very interesting that uh, it says in Hebrews 2.14, it says when Jesus died, basically the, 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 uh, he rendered the enemy powerless. He rendered the enemy. I mean, powerless. You may say, well, sure, it doesn't look like it to me. He looks right. like he's throwing his around all over the place, you know. But so often we give the enemy power. Um, his lies have no power unless we choose to believe them. Hmm. Wow. And what happens is if we believe lies, we're turning our back on the truth that the Holy Spirit 
reveals, and we enter into agreement with the enemy. We give him legal right of access. We partner with him, and we give that lie authority so he can mess with our lives. So that's so Jesus actually has won a huge victory, but if we don't step into it, the enemy will just have us for lunch. Right. And so his main strategies are twofold. He's, he's going to lie about God, and he's going to lie about you. He's, right. he's got some, some lie for you to believe, and that believing those lies gets you off track. And so the question that I have is, you know, how do we know if we're right. believing lies? Because the, the, the tricky things about lies is they, they look rational. They, 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 don't, they, they don't come earmarked as, hey, this is a lie that you're now believing. It, it feels true. And right. so you don't recognize it's a lie. It, it just, it seems like reality. So how do we know if we're believing lies? Right, right. This is very, it's very interesting. And I think this is helpful to understand. In Romans 10, 10, it says it's with our hearts we believe. Mm-hmm. Our beliefs are not primarily rooted in our minds, in our thoughts. They're actually in our, in our hearts. And the problem here is that we tend to stuff our issues. You know, we avoid them. Oh, I don't know. I know what to do. Um, and so, uh, or we're scared of what's going on down there. So we just keep showing up, get busy and move on. And we become desensitized to what's really going on down here. You know, our wives can say, honey, you doing okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm doing fine. Uh, honey, you don't look like it. Uh, you know, it's just like we, we avoid. So we lose touch with our hearts. And so what happens then is, like you're saying, negative thoughts become so familiar we don't recognize them as the lies that they are. So we let the lies remain, we let them stick, and then we, we, we get stuck. And that quenches the work of the Holy Spirit within us who wants to heal us and set us free. I like, there's a, I think it was Martin Luther, I was being told it was him that said it, but he says you can't stop birds from flying around your head, right? By that right. he meant de- demonic thoughts, right? You can't stop the birds flying around your head, but there's no excuse for letting them nest in your hair. Yes. Right? There's a, that's the difference. We're all going to get bombarded. Jesus was bombarded with all sorts of junk. The question is, what did he do with it? Did he let them stick? And this is where tending your heart comes in, is not allowing those thoughts to stick, but rejecting them and then hearing what God's got to say. Um, it's very helpful. In Proverbs 4.23, it says that we're to guard our hearts. In NIV, it says, above all else, make it a, it's a huge thing. Take care of your hearts because out of them flow the issues of life. Everything in your life is going to come out of what's going on in your heart. So um, we may not admit the lies we believe, right? Um, But the way we live, the choices that we make reveal what it is that's actually going on in our hearts. We might reason things away. We might say, well, uh, we can say we believe, oh, God loves me. but our feelings, maybe self-condemnation and shame, give, as someone says, they give us unfiltered feedback. Our feelings give us unfiltered feedback of what it is we really believe. Mm. That God doesn't really accept me as I am. Right. I can say, yeah, but it's actually not what I feel. Um, so the Father knows us so well, and he likes to help us, so we ought to ask him. This is what King David did in Psalm 130, uh, 139. At the end, he says, you search me, God. You lead me. Help me here. He's not going to try and introspect, figure it out for himself. He said, Lord, you know me better than I know myself. You tell me what's really going on here. You help me. You search me. Put your finger on it. And so that's what we can do. This is how we can get clear where we're desensitized. We can ask the Father, Father, you tell me 
tell me what do I really believe about you? Who do I really think you are? Right. You tell me, or Father, what do I leave, believe about myself? And he can hardly wait to tell us what's really going on in our hearts so he can set us free from all these things that kill our joy. Um, so all too often, what we believe about ourselves is based on our own feelings or what others have spoken over us or how they've treated us, what our culture says we need to be, to be loved, to be recognized, to be validated, to be appreciated. But it's only what God speaks over us that defines us. Right. Who our Heavenly Father says we are is who we are. He's the only one who really knows us. Mm. Uh, so we, miss, we must go to God and we need to hear from Him. We need to hear from Him again and again and cultivate this lifestyle of listening to Him. So we get the truth. The more we're hearing the truth, we'll start to recognize the subtle, deceptive tactics of the enemy. He's a deceiver and he'll trick us. We think it's legit. But when we ask the Father, he goes, yeah, look at this. And you start to smell a rat. Okay, something's off here. Looks good, but there's a hook in this piece of ribeye. I'm not right. going to take it. Right? right? And so the more we're receiving the truth, we'll, identify, we'll recognize the count of it. We'll smell it a mile off and won't have anything to do with it. Oh, so, so good. That's so good. So, so walk me through. So how would this practically work out um, as you're as – you're, asking God about, you know, uh, about all this. Give me an example from your life, for example. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you know, I've got a bunch of examples. I think of one that's a classic was uh, of a, it was, she was a young lady, she was a teacher, came to Diane for some prayer because she was struggling with severe depression. It was so bad that after every three days or so, she was totally immobilized. She couldn't teach. I mean, it just debilitated her. And uh, she had had a horrific background. She had abused and uh, been abused, and she had bought the lie that she was worthless. Mm. I'm not, I'm not worth anything, anything more. This is all I'm good for. And she entertained entertained thoughts of uh, suicide and death, basically. So she was struggling. She was she was really in a deep ditch. Uh, and why? She, the reason she entertained thoughts of suicide and death, they'd become like friends to her because they offered comfort and escape. And, uh, but anyway, so uh, Diane did some listening prayer. She's doing a sustained conversation with the father and getting downloads. And she, um, and so she asked the father, what are these thoughts doing for me? And she recognized death and suicide were false friends because she wasn't worthless. Mm. And because you're worthless, you need to just, you know, end it all. Right. Um, so she renounced those lies you know, repented for uh, partnering with the enemy, allowing him access, and broke those strongholds off in Jesus' name. Um, but it, it wasn't a quick, easy fix, okay? But every time she recognized a negative, accusing thought, she renounced it. I'm not, I'm not receiving that thought. And she then immediately turned to the Father to receive encouragement, receive affirmation, and got her new identity as a beloved daughter. Well, she wrote us about seven months later, and she said, there hasn't been a smell of depression on me, none. She'd totally free, because every time the enemy tried to bang on the door, she'd just reject it, turn to the father. Father, what do you got? He would just affirm her, encourage her again and again. And so now she actually leads other women. She's been doing this for years, leading other women in freedom, because she's been able to speak with authority because of her own deliverance so how do we you know a lot of these lies like you know in this example it goes way back you know she's been abused as as a young girl a lot of these lies that we believe 
they go back a long way. They're deep seated yeah. lies. So, so how do we overcome those things that, that are so familiar to us? They don't even look like lies. They're just our reality. Right. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I think it's helpful that to know that lies are nearly always born in wounds. We call them heart wounds. Mm. So it, it, it's a bit of a little gruesome, I guess. Uh, but the accuser is attracted to these wounds like flies are to an open sore, right? So they can lay maggots in the sore that eat the flesh. Uh, and I, I know it's gross, but I was a sheep farmer, and I used to see how devastating wounds could be if there were flies around. Right. Uh, it's what the enemy does. So those lies usually begin in early childhood and, and, and often in our families. But they can also be from siblings, from peers, coaches, teachers, and so on. Because the enemy wants to bring us into bondage as soon as he can. No matter how wonderful our parents are, um, they weren't perfect. And the enemy tries to capitalize on that. So say, for example, you're, you're six years old, right? And mum leaves you in the car and she says she'll only be five minutes and she dashes into the grocery store. Well, you know, she drops her eggs. 20 minutes later, uh, you're freaking out. You feel abandoned. And, of course, mum didn't intend that, um, but the accuser doesn't care, and it's easy for him to subtly sow lies in that situation uh, where you can't depend on God either. Mum wasn't here in here. Well, what about God? Maybe he doesn't care either, and then he can cause us to doubt our value. Well, if mum really cared, she would have been here. I, I guess I'm not that important. And so these lies about God or ourselves, they can cripple us for the rest of our lives. It can start with something that seems almost innocuous. As an adult, we say, oh, it's a big deal. You know, I was just a silly little kid. The enemy doesn't care. He'll start to say these lies. And as we start to open up ourselves to believe those lies, it gives him opportunity to reinforce that again and again through the rest of our lives till we're totally convinced. I guess I'm worthless and God can't be trusted. Um, So I think it's very important uh, at this point to say, you know, for us to get free, uh, from the lies born in the wound, we have to forgive the offender. Hmm. Forgive is going to be critical. It's not enough to simply renounce a lie or well, that lie and grab a biblical truth to replace it. We need to know who do I need to forgive for believing this lie? We ask the Father, what am I believing? You find out the lie. Uh, who do I need to forgive and what do I need to forgive them for? We, we may gravitate to thinking of people who hurt us more recently. Oh, well, you know, my girlfriend... Right. Or something like that. But usually the reason that's so painful is that because it's an echo of a deeper wound. That, right. Uh, it's, just, it's just the way it, it works. And so often it, it begins way back. Right. In early childhood, and it often involves our parents. And if you're a parent, well, you know, get, get used to it. Our, our kids probably have to forgive us because we're not perfect, which is right. fine. Whether intended or not, it's not really not the issue. It's what we do with it. So, so this is what we need to ask the Father or Jesus. Uh, who do we need to forgive here? Um, because maybe we've blocked off the pain and we're not in touch with just how we've been impacted. So, right. but the, he knows. Just ask him. He knows exactly what's everything that's touched us, influences our background. We don't have to diagnose ourselves. Just mm. say, Father, you know what's going on. Tell me, yes. where's the, who do I need to forgive? He makes it so simple. Um, so what happens is we're not so good at forgiving. We usually forgive for what was done to us, right? Maybe dad was right. uh, too busy to spend some time with me. So uh, perhaps he never affirmed me. Maybe he was always critical of me. So I can forgive dad for being absent and critical. 
But I also need to forgive him for the heart wounds. Maybe I need to forgive dad for leading me to feel worthless or that there is something wrong with me or for leading me to feel I'd never be good enough. See, the real wound is not so much what was done to us, but what we chose to believe about ourselves or God as a result. That's the wound. Right. It's what we did with it. Right. It's just you can have twins, same background. Some can have a real crippled childhood. The other thought was brilliant. It's just, it's interesting. Right. Depends what, what we did with it, where we went with it, where we allowed the enemy to sow those lies. That's really the issue. Mm. So, and that's that's really important what you're saying because so many times we forgive, or and it and it just doesn't seem to get to the core of what's actually going on. And it's because it's not so much the person; it's the it's recognizing the impact on you. What was it? That, what was the wound that this person or event caused? Uh, right. that, 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 that's what actually is what uh, the enemy wants is, is, is right. using, and that's what God is wanting to heal. Right. So, the, the, so for example, take the, the, the dad who led me, led me to feel worthless because he didn't spend time with me, he's too busy or something. Um, so what I can do is I can forgive dad, just release and bless him. Because the issue is not really with him. We're not out to accuse and blame. Mm. It's just God's forgiven me, I forgive them. You know, that may not be easy, but God can help us there. Especially if we ask, say, Father, how do you see him? And he'd say, well, he was kind of, he didn't receive a lot from his parents. And so he didn't know how to meet you there. And so it's, he can help us uh, understand mm. what was going on and, uh, and help us forgive. But then we go, need to go ahead and we need to renounce the lies that God would treat us the same way as dad. So I need to renounce lies that God is distant, that I'm, I've no interest to him, that he's disappointed me. He's always wanting to nail me, always being critical. Uh, I need to renounce the lie that I can't be in process, that there's no grace, that he would lead me to feel worthless. They are the kind of the heart wounds, right, mm -hmm. that, where I'm accusing God or uh, allowing the enemy to accuse me. So I repent for partnering with the enemy, believing these lies about guidance and so on. And then I can ask the Father, what truths have you got for my heart in exchange for these lies? This is the best part, because he so wants us to get the truth. But if we're holding on to these lies, it's pretty hard to receive the truth because he can say, oh, I love you. And you go, yeah, really? You know, because I'm feeling worthless. It just is going to bounce off. So that's why renouncing these lies is so helpful. Maybe breaking strongholds if we need self-condemnation or shame or whatever. And then we're in a place to receive. It's like clearing this cavity in our hearts so that we can receive the truth. And uh, it's, it's, uh, this, is, this is where it's fun, is learning to receive, to really get in our hearts where it lights us up. This is what changes us. This actually, remember, doesn't change us very much. It's what lands in the heart that mm -hmm. changes. It's very important that when the Lord speaks, that we actually receive it in our heart, not just as information. Remember, information alone actually doesn't help us that much. If you think of the scribes, they memorized the scripture, right. syllable by syllable, ended up crucifying Jesus. What happened? Jesus said their hearts were empty, all right? It never got here. It was all information. This is what transforms us. So how do we get it here? Um, it's interesting because I've met guys that know the scripture and so on, and they're still struggling with addictions. What's right. the problem? They've got, the, they've got the theory, 
but it's not their experience. In Psalm 119.11, it says, Your word have I hid in my heart that mm -hmm. I may not sin against you. It's got to land here. Jesus tells this amazing story, Matthew 12, I think uh, 43 to 45. Um, he says about this spirit, it's obviously an evil spirit, leaving a guy's house. And the guy's keeping the house swept clean, and you know, he doesn't want that stuff in there. But then the spirit uh, comes back and checks out the house and knows it's empty. So he goes and gets seven of his mates, actually more wicked spirits than he was. And now you've got eight come back and occupy that house. What's Jesus saying? You know, you're a sitting duck, basically. An empty heart invites attack. If, if, if you've got a vacancy sign over your house, I would suggest if you're bombarded with lies and temptations, it's because you've got a vacancy sign over the door and the enemy's going to be glad to keep you company. The whole th thing is we need to proactively be receiving the truth to fill our hearts so the enemy can't get his foot in the door. We don't want to live our lives reacting to the enemy. We want to be proactive. I like to think of it this way. Think of a, a Western movie. You're the sheriff. You're walking down Main Street, right, and you, you know the outlaw's out there. He's out to get you. He's just waiting to take you out. And so you're nervous. You're uptight. You know, and then sure as eggs, the saloon door swings open and he comes out with a 12 gauge, you know, pointed at you and you go for your guns. Oh, in Jesus name, you know, leave me alone. Get out of here. And this is this is so often the way we live the Christian life. We react to the attacks of the enemy. This is no way to live the Christian life. Now, I think of it this way. We're receiving from the father downloads of who he says he is and our value to him where our belts are loaded with ammunition. We've got all sorts of ammunition. The guns are out of our holsters. And we're walking down Main Street rejoicing in who God is and who he says he is. And as we're doing that, we'll find the enemy won't show his head nearly as much. So then just proactively, I would just encourage people uh, to proactively cultivate this lifestyle of building intimacy by Okay, if we need to be sure of the Father, so again, Father, what do you want to tell me about yourself to help me trust you more? Mm. What is it I need to know about you? Why am I freaking out in this situation? If I really know you, I can be at peace. So what is it I need to know about you? Um, or uh, what's the identity you want to speak over me? What does my heart need to hear from you? And he knows exactly what it is that we need better than we know. We think we know ourselves. He knows yourself. It knows us much better than we know ourselves. Yes. We can say, this is what you need. You go, yes, how did you know? That's exactly. And so that's uh, it's just giving him that opportunity. And then we can receive new insights every day. So I just encourage any time we moved out of peace and rest, right? Just, just turn to him and say, Father, what's this really about? Maybe, you know, someone cut us off in the traffic, we get mad. Why are we, why are we tense? Why are we so uptight? Usually there's something deeper going on in our hearts, and that just triggered it. That was the thing that set us off, but it's usually something deeper. So, Father, what's this really about? And he can say, this is what it is. Just take care of this. You just forgive, renounce that lie. And now, just open yourself. Let me pour into you what you really need. We can do that anytime during the day. It's very simple. Yeah. Wow. Well, Rick, that's so good. Um, your book, again, is called Wholehearted and, and subtitles Tending Your Heart Through Being Discipled by Jesus, which is what we've been talking about today. And you have a website, right, called uh, tendingyourheart.com? Correct. Tendingyourheart.com. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you've got 
uh, small group curriculum. And, and if you wanted to go deeper in this, that's a great resource to go yeah. to. Yes. Yes, I would say uh, there's a four-part series. Just It's got leader's guides and everything, but it's just a little 10-minute video clips and then some discussion interaction that you can do in a small group. Mm. Um, and I think that's very helpful. The, there are some resources there as well so that you can uh, print out, just download. There's um, uh, a Tending Your Heart as a Proactive Lifestyle, just a sheet. It's just a single sheet that's got quite a little bit on it that's very helpful. But I would recommend... And this is on there as well. It's a it's a, a card, um, a tending a heart card, and it's got just simple uh, prompts and guidelines, how to recognize his voice, then uh, uh, questions that we can ask him, how to uh, process forgiveness. Yeah. And uh, on the back, it's got steps to forgiveness and renouncing lies. And just kind right. of walk through very simply the kind of things we've been talking about today. This card is, we've found these are going like hot scones, we would say here or hot potatoes. <laughs> Um, because that's so healthy. You slip them in your Bible or whatever yeah. and uh, um, can be a really helpful prompt. Oh, so good, Rick. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. It's been so helpful. And uh, yeah, and thank you for this book. It's been a personal blessing to me and, and I'm sure to many others. Thank you. Well, we just trust in the Lord to multiply. We just produce a few crumbs and a few fish and Lord. Yeah. If uh, we, we just trust him to, to uh, I think, just get us excited uh, to, to encounter him. It's the encountering him that changes us. Right. Not information, the encountering. And I think all this book is about is to provide some simple doorways to begin to encounter him. Because once we encounter him, everything changes. Yes. Yes. Amen. Oh, that's so good, Rick. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. You're welcome. All right. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk forward slash podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you soon.